Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4, 23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the types of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Stacy Sweet. I'm one of the pastors here at KMC and excited to be here with y'all this morning and loving this series that we are in and this opportunity to look at some of the things that we take out of context and some of the verses that we do. We've had a lot of um, interesting discussion and talk about this this week. Um, and it's because things get taken out of context that they kind of take on a different meaning. So it starts out one way, obviously, in context, and then it gets taken out of context, and it's almost like at that point it takes on a life of its own. And I mentioned a couple Sundays ago, the last time I was in here preaching when I, on Pentecost, when I was talking about the Holy Spirit, that I, like the whole time I was preparing for the sermon, I pictured these little red Mini Coopers with flames on the side going out and spreading the, the gospel in and, and that way. And this week, just so you know what other weird things God puts in my head sometimes as I'm preparing sermons, has been the Princess Bride, which I do feel like you could probably do, first of all, an entire sermon series using the Princess Bride. I think Clint would definitely, absolutely agree with me on that. And there's not many circumstances in life where you can't pull a quote from Princess Bride that it won't fit. So um, the one that I've kept going back to this week is Inigo Montoya. That, that word you keep saying, I don't think it means what you think it means. Like, and that's what happens when we start to hear something taken out of context so often. It begins to take on its own meaning. And it doesn't mean what we think it means. It doesn't mean what God thinks it means. So we're going to look at that today and, and look at how when we do that, the danger becomes that that verse begins to serve us as opposed to serving the gospel, as opposed to serving God. When we looked at judgment last week, that's the danger in misquoting that verse and taking out a context is we start to use it for our own self-gain and self-worth as opposed to what God intended with that. And this week we're going to look at Philippians 4.13. It is frequently called the Superman verse of the Bible. I'm sure pretty much everyone here knows it. I don't even probably have to say it, but we're going to in a few minutes. But I have a few slides for us to look at this morning because not only can you Google a bazillion images of this, you can buy so much stuff on Amazon. I just did a quick Philippians 4.13 in the Amazon search, and you can get t-shirts, mugs, um, the little, I really wanted to wear like a Tim Tebow shirt jersey today with the little like black things under my eyes. Yeah, it's like game day kind of thing going. But you can, we see it everywhere. Um, we even, when we first started uh, talking about the sermon series, talked about like like the Hobby Lobby factor of this and how you even see it all the time in Hobby Lobby. But through this verse, if we take it how culture has kind of, the meaning that culture has put into it, we can do all things. Apparently, I can climb mountains now. 
just in case you were wondering. This one covers a lot of territory. I mean, you can really do all things here. We've got achievement, we've got job, marriage, um, love, friendship, uh, confidence, success, um, all those things, victory. Um, we can do all those things through Christ who gives us strength. And then, of course, we can play sports. We can win every game. I've always been perplexed by that because somebody's losing and they probably, and they probably got, they probably used that verse too, you know? Um, so what do you do in that situation? We're gonna talk about that in a little bit, but we see it everywhere and we see it in so many different ways. It's typically tied and we see it tied to that sports or that physical strength or an accomplishment or a task laid in front of us, a, a business idea or different things that we set our minds to. And it's this message that we can fulfill those desires, that we can be motivated to overcome any obstacle that comes in our way. And I think the, the issue that's in there is that it's our motivation, our definition of what those things are. I grew up playing soccer. I worked at a summer camp all through high school and college. And if you work at a summer camp, it was a Christian camp too in East Texas, you will refer to this verse on a frequent basis because it is hot and you need the Lord's strength to get you through those summer days. And so even growing up, it was a big part of what I heard um, taught and leaned into on a frequent basis. But what did Paul really mean? We're going to read it in context this morning. We're going to read it just within the context of the few verses that it's in, and then we're going to back up a little bit and read it within the context of Philippians as a whole. So we're going to read from the verses. Philippians is only four chapters, so we're reading at the end of, end of the book, end of the letter, and we're going to um, pick it up. This is almost just right before the closing even. So it's kind of Paul's final words in this letter. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed, indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and how to abound. And in, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So as we step back a little bit and we look at it in that um, context of, of Philippians, Philippi was one of the early churches that, that Paul founded. It was a Roman colony, which meant it was founded by Rome. And what they did to found the city is they basically sent a bunch of retired soldiers out there for their retirement. They gave them some land, and this is how that, that city was formed. So you can imagine, you have all these retired soldiers who are very um, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of the word, I just lost the word, who are very patriotic, I guess is the word I would use. Their concern is for Rome. And so when you've got a city, and some, now Paul's come into it, and he's talking about this Jesus guy and his kingdom, and his kingdom will come on earth, you can imagine that 
that message was not well received and it was not popular. And there was a tremendous amount of persecution within Philippi. So the Christians that were there faced tremendous persecution. And so the letter that was sent here was Paul's in prison now. And the Philippians, that church, took up money and took up a collection to send money to Paul. And so this is his response. This is his thank you letter and his response. But if you look at this letter, if you read all four chapters together, it's this beautiful synopsis kind of of Paul's um, beliefs. And it's a bunch of kind of almost like little miniature essays. And there's a beautiful poem in chapter two. And it's a wonderful insight into Paul's heart and into his mind. And it gives us a lot of insight into how he was formed and what his priorities were. He's in prison, and he's urging them to follow Jesus' example as well. He has learned over time that his suffering for Jesus is the way that he lives out Jesus' story. So not only does he share the gospel, but he lives it out in this. He's reminding the Philippians not to give in to their fears, but to make their needs known to God and that God will give them peace. It's just this window, like I said, into Paul's heart and his mind. So when we go back to these verses, we're going to go back and look at them again. The key words that I want you to listen to are about being content in these circumstances. Paul says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Think about that. Those are two things that we as a society search for a lot. Contentment and the secret. The secret to that. And Paul's kind of laid it out here for us. And guess what? It's not about winning a football game. That's not where the the contentment lies. It's not what the secret is. It's Paul's strength coming, coming from Christ, coming from knowing that he is who is in him. Paul, so far on this journey, has been beaten, whipped, shipwrecked, and jailed. He's facing death. So these are the circumstances that he's been in. But Paul's strength to face those circumstances didn't come from an inner determination or an inner will. It came from his strength in God. When we look at this in the Greek, one of the things that we lose a little bit when we read it in the English is it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In the Greek, that, that main verb is missing in there. And when, in the Greek, when that happens, what it's doing is it's pointing you back to the previous sentence, to the previous verbs. And so when we go back and we look at that, that's where the the, the emphasis is. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I've been brought low, but I know how to abound in every circumstance. Paul is saying, I can do all of those things through Christ who strengthens me. He's sharing that God has something more for us. And he's learned to be content in whatever situation that he has found himself in. 
He's sitting in a Roman prison right now, and he is full of joy and peace and contentment. Think about that. We all live in Kingwood, most of us. We're not hungry. We aren't in prison. We're on summer vacation now. But how many of us can truly say that we feel joy and peace and contentment in our present circumstances even? Because the world has told us that there's something more, that we're missing out on something. But Paul realizes it's not because of his own strength, but it's through the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ who provides strength in every situation in life. And once we start to have that perspective, it changes our hearts and our minds. The secret is Christ in me. The secret is Christ in you, Christ in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The crucified with Christ is the I can do all things. That's the key to it. Crucified with Christ in him, yes, through his death, all sin and death was overcome. All things are possible. Joy and peace and contentment are possible. It is possible to face horrible situations because Jesus has already overcome death. We can do all things because he lives in us. We can persevere, we can endure, and we can thrive and overcome obstacles thrown in our ways. When we look at the obstacles that have been in Paul's way, they've come about because he's preaching the gospel. But he knows the secret. It's Christ in me. Paul understands that he is not controlled by his circumstances. He also understands an even bigger picture of that than those circumstances in that Roman jail cell. He also understands that he is not controlled by the world anymore. His identity is in Christ. He had this great career going before this when he was Saul. He was wealthy. He was successful. The world told him he was on the right path. And then he had an encounter with Jesus. And he got to see and understand who Jesus really was. And he understood that that was where his identity came from. He walked away from everything else and pursued God. It's when we're in a culture that tells us weakness is a failure. Lowering oneself to serve is weakness. In Paul's culture, all of that would have been considered failure. And yet, what has he done now? He's focused and devoted his life to that. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content. There's that word again. Then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These are the circumstances that Paul found himself in, and in each one of them, there was an opportunity to be less of himself and more of Jesus. 
Every state he was in was due to him sharing the gospel, to sharing the good news and his devotion to Christ. And he was content in those circumstances that came from following Jesus. It's hard for us to relate to being hungry or imprisoned or beaten for our faith. Anyone here been shipwrecked lately? I mean, occasionally I get lost when I don't have my GPS on or something, but no shipwrecks so far. So if we're going to look at taking this and putting it in the proper context, in Paul's context and how it was intended, and we can do that, but that was 2,000 years ago. So how does this scripture, the living word of God, fit into our context? How does this fit with us? And how does it shape who we are? What does it teach us about what it means to be content in our circumstances? And if we keep this in context and recognize that this is about Paul having the strength to endure all things for Christ, all circumstances for Christ, when we apply it to our context, it helps us to see what Paul had seen. There's the immediate circumstances that he was able to be content in. But remember the larger circumstance that he was able to be content in? To realize that what the world told him things should be like, he had rejected. And that's what we have the opportunity to live into as well. Paul had that success, but now he seeks honor in God's eyes and the cross reveals what God values the most, serving and giving oneself away. It doesn't only contradict what Paul was taught in his culture, but it contradicts what our world tells us as well. When we acknowledge that I no longer live and Christ lives in me, then nothing else matters. When nothing else matters, we're content in that circumstance because nothing else matters but Jesus. That's the important part of that. It doesn't mean that we are content with injustice or sin. It means that we are content with our answer. That's Jesus. Jesus is also the answer to that injustice and that sin. This verse is not meant for someone to sit in injustice or sin or abuse or any of those types of circumstances and to tell you to just, you know, buck up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and pray about it a little bit and it'll all be okay. We're called to speak out in those circumstances. We're called to say what the world won't say. We're called to tell the story of Jesus because Jesus is the answer. And that's all Paul was really doing. If you think about it, his ministry is just him going place to place, telling people about Jesus. He got in a lot of trouble because of it. He had a lot of problems because of it. He had some, he was hungry. He was jailed. He was separated from his people. But it reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. And it's an insight into what it looks like to follow Jesus with your whole heart, 
when there is more of Jesus and less of ourselves. And we too are called to die to the world. And the world keeps going on around us, but we die to the world's power to order our lives, the world's power to set our priorities, to dictate our time. And when our lives are ordered around Jesus, it looks totally different. And then we can find contentment. And then we know the secret to being content in all circumstances. Paul was content with the cross defining his life, not with the circumstances. He was content in those circumstances because the cross now defined his life. It defined his values, his time, and how he lived every single day and moment. We can get a little prosperity gospelish if we just go with that. Philippians 4.13. Just like, oh, well, if you love God, God's going to bless you and you're going to be successful. It's kind of what Philippians 4.13 is. If you love Jesus, you're going to be a winner. And you're going to win. And you're going to be able to do all these things because Christ strengthens you. Paul was saying exactly the opposite. You don't follow Jesus to be a winner. You follow Jesus to lose everything. You lose yourself, you lose sin, and you lose death, and you gain everything in Christ. That's a totally different gospel. We find something more than winning that game, than getting that business deal, or climbing that mountain. And we gain something more than any of those things can ever give us. It doesn't mean that when we play a game, or we take a test, or we're involved in a sporting event, that we don't do our best, that we don't seek God in that, that we don't use that as an opportunity to share the gospel because our lives and our priority and our time and our schedule looks different than what the world tells us. And so that's reflected in the ways that we respond. Like I said, somebody's losing one of those games. There's always a loser. There's a winner and loser. Occasionally get a tie, you know. But for the most part, there's a winner and there's a loser. We have opportunities to live into Christ's strength in all those circumstances. When we feel like we've won in life and when we feel like we've lost in life. And it's about looking at those circumstances and being able to see Christ in those circumstances. It's about defining success differently than how the world does. This is what Paul has learned He's learned it by continuing to seek God in all circumstances. Once he met Jesus and understood who he was, he began to seek more and more of Jesus in his life. But you know what kicked it all off? Was he experienced God's grace first. It was offered to him. He wasn't even seeking it. Literally knocked him down. That's how grace works. That's what marked Paul's life. Paul was marked by Christ. What marks your life? What distinguishes it from the world?
once we're marked by Christ, it leads us to contentment. And it's really just Paul telling all these people about Jesus. You know, we always talk about wanting our children to be happy, but I think contentment is what God wants for his children. God wants for us. Paul says he learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. However the world tries to shape and mold us and tell us what happiness really looks like, tell us what success really looks like, the secret is actually being crucified with Christ. I'm going to call the band back up as we prepare to continue worship here in a minute, as we prepare to take communion. But I want to leave you with a few more thoughts. All of this is possible, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. That strength comes from God's grace. That's the source of it. And that makes a new life in Christ possible. And when we have new life in Christ, we're able to handle the circumstances that come with sharing that gospel message. When we're truly strengthened to do what God has called us to do, when we do more of what Jesus has called us to do, we fill ourselves more and more with him. That's what Paul's going through. If you look at this over his letters and through this, what he's telling us, he says he learned this. He learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He says, um, I learned in whatever situation I am to be content. This is Paul's sanctification that he's talking about. God reaches out and extends grace and offers it to him and he responds and he's transformed and he begins to seek more of God and then God continues to transform and mold his heart in beautiful ways and then he goes and tells more people about Jesus and spreads the gospel even more and God just fills him up more and more and more. That same sanctification that Paul experienced is what is offered to us as well through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's when we are strengthened to answer the call of Christ and to tell others about Jesus because he first loved us. It's not very complicated. Through this verse and through this little passage that we're reading today, it gives us kind of that secret to contentment. It's not, it didn't come from just sitting in that cell. It came from Paul sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. How he continually sought God in all of those circumstances. That could be hard to do. Maybe our circumstances don't look exactly like Paul's, but there are times in our faith when we feel alone and we're struggling and we don't feel as close to God and we feel like he has turned his back on us. But that's never true. And Paul learned that over time. He learned that through his circumstances. And that's the same message of the gospel that's available to us. Christ died for our sins. He rose from the dead so that we too could experience new life in him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, be filled with him. So that we are able to also go out and share that message with others. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.